This episode was brought to you by our amazing patrons, in particular, our top-tier patrons, Gordon Lipford, Ian Fisher, Niavalis Chunknar, and Sunsor. We simply couldn't do this without you, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Welcome to the Explominate Podcast. Welcome, friends, to the Explorative Podcast. I am your host, Rob. And joining me tonight is Ben. Hi, Ben. How's it going, Rob? It's kind of going uh, not as well as it could, and I'll talk about that in a second. Hi, Drexy. How are you? Hello, mate. How you doing? Good day, Governor. <laughs> Put a oh, shrimp man. on the barbie, That's... won't you, Sean? Ah, <laughs> oh, That's not a thing. <laughs> oh. Hey, guys. How we going? So before the show starts and we get too far into this, I had major surgery two days ago. That's how dedicated I am to this podcast. And part of the surgery involved literally clamping my throat to the side of my body so that they could get around to my neck. So my voice is a little hoarse, and I also can't really talk for great lengths at a time. So I'm sure some people are like, yes, thank God. But I just want to give you a heads up if I sound weird, it's because... My throat was literally clamped shut. So he also called video called me after his surgery, and he can't remember doing it. Oh no, I remember. I remember doing it. I just don't remember why. I thought it was a good idea at all. But yeah, I I, I got on Discord and called all four of them, all the three of these guys here, and Drex was the only one that answered. And he got to he got to see me post surgery. I have no idea why I did that, but I still think it's funny. He was high as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And I am high today, too. I'm on painkillers, like some serious painkillers for five days, and then they kind of start weaning me off. So for those of you who don't know, I end up needing cervical spine fusion from uh, having three of my cervical discs slip and herniate. So I was in a lot of pain for 22 days by the time I got the surgery, and I'm still in pain now, but the pain is different. It's musculoskeletal now instead of nerve pain. And, you know, for those of you out there who've had nerve pain, I've heard that everybody can can agree that nerve pain is like the worst pain ever. So I can handle the, the musculoskeletal pain, especially since the painkillers handle it. So anyway, with that, I'm going to stop talking for a second, and we're going to get into the news. I kid, I'm going to keep talking, and I'm going to tell you that Humankind was delayed from its April 22nd, 2021 date to August 17th. And I don't think I don't think that was a big surprise for many people because Lucy, well, you know, the open dev Lucy scenario was really good. And I think a lot of people were like, yeah, okay, I can get into this. I still think a lot of people understood there was a lot of balance issues. And I mean, even just from that short 
dev scenario, there were videos made by quite a few people that were kind of, you know, showing off some of the exploits and some of the inconsistencies with game mechanics. So no surprise really, but Humankind was delayed until August. So with that, they also, they revealed that they're going to have some new avatars that are going to be available as a result of this, as a kind of like a, we're sorry. And I know they've got some stuff up their sleeves too. So I can't really say anything about that, but there's going to be more regarding Humankind soon. So stay tuned. Yeah, I played a little of the Lucy build as well, and I didn't spend a lot of time with it so far, but clearly there are. It looks really cool. It looks like really promising, but clearly there are issues that need to be solved. And even if they do delay it, delay it as much as you need, as long as it releases in a good state. Yeah, some wise Japanese person said that, you know, a delayed game, no, wait, a bad game, not delayed is bad forever, but a delayed game doesn't have, you know, whatever. I don't know. Somebody can tell me what that saying was. I think you got the gist of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like if you delay a game and it's it can be good, great. You know, it's better to delay a game and have the the shot at at greatness than it is to rush a game out and screw that all up. And you know, launches are huge nowadays. I mean, even I mean, uh, fewer and fewer people are doing early access launches now because they almost act as real launches. You know, like that first impression is so big now that people are putting them off. And yeah, I mean, I I I definitely think that this is the right call, but. You know, we'll we'll see. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of competition this year. So I don't know where that's going to put them with regards to Distant Worlds because that was supposed to come. I mean, Slytherin said on their stream it's going to come in July. So those are some really big games to be coming out right around the same time. So is that where you told the Master Ryan free devs and they just got confused by what you were saying? Yeah, I screwed it up so bad. They just were like, oh, I think you just said release it. So they released it <laughs> now. Now you guys can all blame me for that monstrosity. You see, this whole thing with releasing games too early was, was an artifact of the of the past. Really, it should be because traditionally, outside of the AAA, you know, kind of level of development, um, we don't really have that whole thing now where indie developers are having to take massive amounts of money from publishers and they're then kind of demanding them to release it by a certain schedule. It's, it's a little bit less common. I mean, I'm not saying it's not common at all. I mean, you know, there are still publishers, but because of early access, I thought the whole reason that we were being exposed to this massive swathe of completely unfinished half-assed games in early access was to avoid this whole problem i thought that was the point so there's absolutely as far as i'm concerned there's absolutely no excuse man to release a game way too early now if a game's not ready you delay it the different difference is i know what it is is amplitude have got sega breathing down their neck and that will be that will be the thing so um, i think we've talked about this before but the sega you know they they're going to be wanting a return on their investment and that's the thing with these big you know, with these big budget developments. So it's just part of me as a gamer is gritting my teeth a little bit like, look, man, if you're going to do all this early access stuff and you're taking money from people up front for early access stuff, you can't do stuff like that. You, you've got to release, you know, you've got to release it when it's ready. You, there should be no push to push to release something early, you know, just and and then make, delivering a bad game, like because that's surely what the whole early access period and taking money off people up front was about. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better, and I probably couldn't have talked that long, so it's better that you said it. But yeah, no, I, I, yeah, it's a different world we live in, right? And I think that we, you know, it's it's something that they need to adjust to. So I'm I'm glad to see that it's being delayed. I'm glad to see that, you know, like, you know, they since they are answering to, you know, Big Mama Sega or Big Daddy Sega, I don't know, um, you know, I, 
they definitely have to have a, a higher standard for themselves. So anyways, next up is Pax Nova, which, which I've been a huge outspoken critic of because very little information has come out of that dev studio at all. All of a sudden dropped a free DLC called Frostborn, which now has ice planets that you guys can colonize. But there's also promises of a lot of other things. Well, first of all, the DLC comes with a major graphical update, new content, and a brand new planet, which is the ice biome. And then they're also promising a new visual upgrade soon that's going to implement some new image improvements, some vivid colors, new subtle new image filter. And he says that it basically makes the game look much crisper in general. And that should be coming really soon. So that's not part of the Frostborn DLC that came out, but that's coming soon within like the next week or so. They wanted to get it at the same time, but I guess they they kind of missed it just ever so slightly. So it'll be coming soon. And I'm actually I'm pretty impressed because I I think the only way you could make up to the fan base that they screwed up the initial launch so badly and that they've been so quiet is to do something like this. And I just didn't think they had it in them. So the fact that there is a brand new free DLC for Pax Nova is exactly what I think this game needed to kind of sway people's minds a little bit. And with that being said, you know, we have a few copies we're giving away. I have three copies I'm giving away on our Discord, but those might be gone by the time you hear this. And then we have another three copies we're going to be giving away on the website. So stay tuned for that. And, you know, we're, we're always happy to support good business decisions like, you know, thinking of the customer first. So we're we're going to celebrate that by giving away some games. Pax Nova, I've been looking at it. I've been holding off on buying it because I bought in on Dawn of Andromeda. So I've also been quite critical of it. But with this DLC coming out, it looks like they're definitely moving in the right direction. So uh, it's actually on a pretty steep sale at the moment too. And I think it's if they are making this step to make things right, it's definitely worth looking at. I've got Pax Nova and I haven't played it a whole lot. But what I played of it, I actually really enjoyed. I didn't even really get that far off the planet, to be honest. So I, I, I kind of played like the first three or four hours where you're, you're mostly terrestrial bound. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, you know, for the kind of forex it is, it, it was the mechanics are pretty solid. The graphics were much improved by the time I got around to playing it. I, I just think the the whole thing looked like it was going somewhere. I quite like the races in it. Um, the tech tree was understandable. It wasn't you know wasn't particularly confusing. It, I think it's it's got the potential to be a really solid game. So I, I really hope this new update will allow other people to be able to enjoy it as it was you know as it was intended. Because Rob's rightly been quite critical of this one just because of some of the lack of communication. And I think there's been some genuine reasons why that's been going on actually. But you know, let's see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, so from what I understand, I haven't played it that... In fact, I haven't played it at all. I fired it up a little bit today just to see what the ice biome looked like. It looks pretty good. But there are people that are much more in the know about its status, and they say that a lot of the major bugs have been fixed. There's still a couple lingering around, but some of the like real game-breaking ones are gone. So, And, and that was probably the biggest issue, was that there are a lot of game-breaking bugs, and... You know, the other big issue, and I think the most consistent feedback was that the game felt like it didn't have that much, you know, life to it. It didn't feel like there was real any real flavor. And, you know, I don't know what they're going to do to address that. I think that they could make the interactions between factions a little bit more flavorful, and that might help. But I do think that the game, like you said, Ben, is, is pretty solid. And I, I had fun with it. So I just want to see more. I, I wanted... I was mostly upset because I wanted better for it. And I thought Pax Nova was the best chance that they could 
they they had to make a really good game. Really quickly, the first patron who emails me at explominate at gmail.com who wants a copy of Pax Nova and simply says that you want a copy of Pax Nova will get a copy of Pax Nova. So if you're a patron and you're listening to this, shoot me an email. You might be the first one. Good luck. So anyways, next up, we have Star Dynasties, which revealed its uh, roadmap through early access. And it's basically just things that I would say 100% is exactly what I was expecting and hoping for. And the first thing that they're going to drop in May is a story events editor, which is pretty cool. I guess that means that they're going to allow you to, you know, basically they're going to throw this mod tool out real early to let people start throwing in story events, which I think is really, really needed for Star Dynasties. That that kind of flavor and that kind of story generation is missing from that game. So yeah, who better than the the target audience to throw that at and say, hey, here's the tools, you can do it. But of course, you know, they're going to have some story events themselves alongside it. And then in July, they're going to have some expedition events. So I don't know what that's all about. And Finally, in the third quarter of 2021, with the full release, they're going to have a colony improvements overhaul. So they're going to probably, from what I've read, it looks like they're going to add some depth to colony improvements and to managing your colonies. So those are all good things, in my opinion. And it sounds like they're not going to go crazy with the colony improvements because I don't think they want to or should. Because if you start to get bogged down in colony management in a character-driven game, I think that that really takes away from the focus. But it sounds like they're going to do a little bit enough so that you can... You know, you have something to do when you're not, you know, trying to, you know, have sex with your sister-in-law or, you know, backstab or assassinate your brother or whatever it is you're doing in that game. So it sounds really good. And I really dig the roadmap. I think it's a great direction for the game. Sounds like a typical Naya in Newcastle to me. <laughs> I didn't think you guys ever came that far north, mate. <laughs> anyway... Moving on, the devs from Interstellar Space Genesis have announced that the um, Natural Law expansion was a success. So they will, they are continuing to develop the game and they're working full speed on the next DLC, which is really good news because, again, I've sung the praises game so much, but I think they're doing really good work. And unlike a previous news item, these devs actually like to support their game and tell the community what they're doing so yeah they're planning for a summer release of a free update and followed by a expansion by the end of the year so yeah definitely looking forward to that yeah i was really glad to read it that natural law did well enough because i know that there was some concern that if it didn't do well enough that there wouldn't be much in the way of more content for interstellar space genesis but yeah it was good to see that that it was and that they are because that game deserves more and it sounds like they have some pretty unique things on, you know, up their sleeves. So I'm excited to see what they come up with. Yeah, that's one I think I'd like to play on the channel at some point. Or um, one of us should play on the channel because I know that that's one that you've played a few times, Rob. And it's it's always like looked a lot of fun. I've had my kind of head a little bit too absorbed with the remnants of the precursors, and that's a kind of similar-ish, you know, Master of Orion-like game. But um, I think it's time to jump into that now because it's pretty well developed, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's it's actually a really solid game. So I'd love to see you play it. I can't promise I'll be very good at it. No, I, I'm, I'm not good at any game I play, so don't worry about it. No one, no one, well, people <laughs> judge you no matter what, right? Like, I think it's funny that what I've noticed is that no matter how good, I mean, like you're clearly very skilled at Shadow Empire, but people still have things to tell you how to, like, you know, the little itty bitty things that you could have done better because you were talking and playing at the same time. You know, it, 
it's just funny that no matter what, people always find something that you did wrong. Uh, it's funny. I've, I've had some good criticism in the past. I think the, the best one that I had recently was on the Realms Beyond forum because I, I made the mistake of posting up that Caster of Magic um, one up on Realms Beyond where Cerevi and his buddies hang out. And there was a, it, it didn't really get very many comments. I'd, actually, Cerevi came and watched the, show, uh, watched the series for a bit and kind of made some comments on some of the stuff that I was missing, which was really, really nice of him. But I did warn them that I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> I was like, one, one guy was like, this guy cannot play Master of Magic. <laughs> that's like one of the nicer things that people have said as well. Like I've, I've had some, I think I totally understand why people don't, certain YouTubers say they just don't read their YouTube comments anymore. <laughs> Actually, people have been mostly quite nice to me, but still every now and again, you just like kind of your face goes blue when you're reading them. <laughs> okay. And in the next news segment, we've got Stellaris. So this is the Nemesis update that they've been, they've been talking about. And Basically, yeah, they're adding this crazy nemesis faction, which is you. So it allows you to basically play as the as the end game threat. They're also talking a little bit about some diplomatic updates, espionage, and things like intel. I've not really, I'll be honest, I'm not really that familiar with what all the new stuff is. So if you go to their Steam page and just read it through, and it'll tell you exactly what's going on. But actually, this kind of hate paradox of doing this because I really didn't want to jump back into Stellaris. I just, however, you know, who doesn't want to be the end game? threat i mean that does sound pretty damn cool and i think espionage is probably something that the game's mechanics can support now so you know i'm uh, i don't know drexy's gonna like wag his finger at me and tut but i think i might just try i'm not even listening i'm not he's not even listening is he yeah (laughs) i'm gonna try it i'm gonna i'm gonna give my give solaris one last chance that's what i keep saying every time a new expansion comes out i'm gonna give it one more chance it's a really sound business decision because it's clearly keeping people even that don't really like the game coming back because we just we want that next expansion to be the right one. And I mean, I, kudos to them for that. You know, they, they figured it out. But I don't think that, in fact, none of the things that Nemesis is, is going to be introducing sound like, you know, busy work to me. They actually, it actually all sounds pretty good. So it could be something that I enjoy, but you know, and I'm hoping that the population rework and the things that they were talking about with the mid game and, and reducing the micromanagement works. Because if that's the case, I might actually, you know, I don't know, I might actually like the game. I don't know. It's, it's possible. It's something I'll look at, but I don't know if I'll come back to it, at least not straight away. Like if, if the stuff about reducing all the busy work and the amount of stuff to do is happening, that might be something that would draw me back in. But I feel like sort of with every DLC that comes out, it's just adding more stuff and to be honest, I just don't have the time anymore. <laughs> like I like to play it, but it's just I don't have the time. So if they can re- sort of reduce the busy work a bit, make it a little more manageable, then with the new content, then yeah, I'd come back and have a look. Oh, great. Another colony management rework because that worked so well last time. <laughs> well, at least this time they're trying to reduce it instead of make it more. Well, that's what was happening last time. That's what they said last time, and it's just as bad, if not worse. <laughs> true very true i mean you'd have thought that they'd they'd learned the lesson from master of orion 2 where you know excessive colony colony management is just not that exciting like it's it's one of those mechanics where yeah you have to get colony management right but if you're having to do a lot of busy work in order to get a very basic thing like just you know just setting up the correct numbers in order to get what you want out of the empire that's not good like 
colony like the, the colony management stuff or you know the the city management stuff in something like shadow empire is also really really there's a lot to it right but it doesn't it never feels like busy work because it's just a few clicks and there's just it's always something different you've got to do as well and it, and it all interweaves interlinks in different ways so there's there's so much stuff you can do and you feel like there's you're actually doing it because you want to rather than you've just got to click on this thing in order to do something you know that's kind of the vibe i got with stellaris a little bit but anyway let's let's be a bit more positive about it and hope that we can you know, I hope that it's going to bring us back into the fold and maybe one day it will it will earn that place it so desperately craves at the top of our top 10 Forex games of all time list. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I'm genuinely going into it with an open mind. So I think, I think that if it's done right, the things that they're promising are happening with this, I, I really do think I could actually like it. So I'm, I'm going into it with an open mind. And since I'm going to be home for a while trying to recover, I'm, I'm going to have some time. So maybe, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I want to like. It's a setting and it's it's fun to play. So yeah, if if this is if this DLC goes well, if the changes are good, like if they're positive, good for sort of what I want out of it, then yeah, absolutely. I'll come back. All right. And in other news, Empire and Ruins has just come out from early access. It's a 4X uh, t- tower defense hybrid. So it's got a campaign and a sandbox mode and it actually looks kind of interesting. So the lead dev's been pretty active in the Discord, and he was telling us about that too. So yeah, I'm looking forward to have a look at that. Yeah, he's Doc Hogan is really active in our community, and so you know it's a game that we're going to get someone to review. We just haven't, you know, we've had a lot going on right now, and of course with my surgery, I've had to divvy up and and basically pawn off things on people that I probably wouldn't have normally. So people have been very busy. But we will get to it. We'll have a full review at some point. And we have like an early access review. So we'll probably just use that as a platform to see how much has changed and how much has improved. And yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, it's a guy who's very active in our community. So hats off to him. We're really excited that he's you know pulled it off. And hopefully the game is well received and sells a lot. Yeah, Hogan's great, man. He's like, he's, he's one of... He's not always that active on the community anymore because he's just super busy with the games that he's developing. And but he's like he's just a really nice guy. That's one of the reasons why I, I couldn't offer to inter- uh, to review the game because I don't think I'm don't think I'm objective enough anymore, unfortunately. But I did play it on Twitch um, with with Hogan showing me how to play it, and I just I had a blast. It's a really good game. I don't even play tower defense that often either, and I thought it was fun. I think the main character in it is just it's just really just such a bastard, but it's really well written. It's he's he's done considering they're such a small development company, they've done a fantastic job with that game i think yeah it's definitely unique so i would check it out if you like tower defense and it's got like you know grand strategy elements and you know and it's a sense of humor that's very irreverent so if you like that kind of thing check it out and then another empire of empire of sin came out with its auto resolve patch or content update that's a feature that people have been asking for since the game released so you can now auto resolve battles now finally and what I wanted to say about that too is that I managed to score an interview with Brenda Romero, who's you know kind of a legend in the, the video game world. So we're going to be talking to her about Empire of Sin, and of course, you know we might have to ask some questions about some of the wizardry games and stuff that she was involved in back in the day. But yeah, we'll actually be speaking to her in May, early May, and you know, kind of picking her brain about Empire of Sin and what's next, and you know why 1920s gangsters in Chicago. And just, you know, kind of get to know her better, too. So with that, too, I also want to mention that I've I've managed to score a few different interviews that I think are going to work out really well for this podcast. And so there are things that you guys can look forward to. 
I have one with Glenn Pauly of Star Dynasties. So if you guys have any questions that you want to ask the lead developer of Star Dynasties, please you know come come by the Discord or leave an, a note in the comments below of this show of questions you want me to ask Glenn. And then we also have Chris Park of Arkham Games. He wants to come on and talk about the giant beta that he's been running on AI War 2 and the enormous amount of changes that he's made to that game. And we're going to actually do two podcasts with him. First, we're going to talk about this beta, this huge like overhaul of the gameplay mechanics. And then the second is going to be with the next DLC. So I I really, I mean, I've, I've been, I can't tell you the last time that I had a game in my library that I knew I should get around to and finally did and wish I'd gotten around to sooner because AI War 2, now that I'm playing it again, is genuinely one of the best games I've ever played. There's so many variables to that game. There's so many different things that you have, you can and, and have to do to win. And the, the asymmetric nature of the game makes it genuinely as difficult as you want it to be. And I could sing its praises all day. I think AI War 2 is easily one of the most underrated games of all time, possibly at this point, because so few people are talking about it. And yet, you know, when I play it, it, there's just masterful design there that just, I wish I could sing from the rooftops about because it, you know, people, people need to be playing it. And I, and I know so many people have the game and they're not playing it. It's just insane to me because once you get past that beginner's block, it really becomes something that you just, I I mean, I think about even when I'm not playing and that, that, that I haven't had a game like that in so long. The original AI War had some pretty favorable per, uh, press with some of the bigger games journalism outlets, like, let's say. And I think a lot of a lot of people bought the original game, you know, on the strength of that. Like it regularly, it regularly got into you know sort of top fifty strategy games lists. And I remember Rock Paper Shotgun really liked it, and you know they used to give it very favorable press. So it's not like people haven't heard of the game, but I think Rob is right. I think a lot of people buy these games and then kind of bounce off it because it just looks quite, it looks kind of intimidating and a bit sort of retro and weird. And it's a shame because it's, like Rob says, it's amazing. The AI in that game is exceptional as well. It's got one of the best game AIs I've ever seen without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, and I think what we'll do is, a web, I mean, like, because first of all, we had a re-examination and the re-examination brought it from a recommended to an exemplary. We don't give those out very often. In fact, uh, I I know we've given out less than ten in the seven years we've been here. So the I mean it's it's an exemplary game. It's a hundred percent extremely good, top tier. And what I'm hoping is that with this new beta update, once he pushes it out, I think it's going to be AI War 2.0 or whatever. And I'm hoping people will revisit once it comes out because it really does change. I mean, there's so many changes I can't even tell you. I I couldn't even go over them. Like so many gameplay decisions and and design decisions and balance decisions but also like quality of life additions and stuff like that that have just made this game something that i again i can't stop thinking about it i i'm i get really excited when i know it's time to record my next my next show for it so anyways the last interview i got set up was with steve hawkins of alliance of the sacred sons so there's four interviews we've got set up and if there's any interviews you guys want us to set up Please let us know. You know, I, I'm I really enjoy interviews. I really enjoy picking developers' brains and learning more about their games and more about the design processes and stuff. So, if there's somebody in particular you want us to talk to and and get on the show, please let us know. I'm happy to hound them if I have to. So, and with that, let's move into our topic.
tonight's topic is actually, we, we kind of pulled the audience here this time to see what it was that they wanted us to talk about. There's a couple of really good subjects and ideas that we're probably going to use for future shows. So I promised that whoever's topic was chosen would get first dibs on any giveaway we had. So basically, like if we put out, you know, Empire of Sin as a giveaway and they're like, oh, no, I want that one. They were going to have first dibs at it before anybody else. And that's still in effect because there's still one more topic that I think is really good and we're going to use it for a future podcast. But we ended up going with Sean, the, the very own Aussie that's here, his topic idea, which is to discuss Forex games that we think would work well in other game universes or in a movie, like from a movie franchise. So with that, I'm going to let Sean start it off since he's the one I came up with this. So the idea that I thought up of was, yeah, basically what you said would be games from movies, other, fr- uh, sorry, other movies, other game franchises that would be good to be transferred into a Forex or strategy game. Like John Wick got turned into John Wick Hex from that or Gears of War, a different game franchise got turned into Gears Tactics, something like that. That was the idea that I was running with for that. So the first example that I thought up with that I was thinking of for ages was actually Halo. Uh, I know there's some games out there that are in that are from Halo, like you've got Halo Wars, there's you know the mainline games. But I thought having either a tactics game with large-scale battles or having a real-time strategy game, maybe sort of like Sins of a Solar Empire. Well, I mean, that already has a Halo overhaul mod, but something along that line, some sort of like real-time grand strategy, 4X kind of game, where you could have space battles and grand battles would be really cool. And there's a ridiculous amount of lore that they could draw from, so they don't have to use anything that already exists. So I thought that would be something really cool to go with. Uh, so Halo was a game that I played kind of when I was a student the first time around with my uh, housemates, and I loved that game. The original Halo was great on the Xbox, but I'm, I haven't kept up with it at all. I didn't play Halo 2 or any of the other games. So what is it about that franchise you think that would make it kind of fit with a with a 4X game or a strategy game of some kind? Well, you've got there's the different factions. I don't know. There's not there's not a lot of factions to choose from, but some of them have sub factions. And well, there's you know there's the Covenant, the aliens, as the humans, and then there's a couple of other ones that pop up later on. But it's a massive scale conflict, like over multiple star systems. So you could have these huge scale battles, and probably not much in the way of diplomacy, I imagine. So I don't know if a four X would actually work that well. Maybe like a three X or something. But yeah, it, there's you could have massive scale battles. You could have your tech trees and multiple factions. So I thought that would be pretty good. Yeah. So I was I was thinking about this and this topic kind of gives me PTSD. And I'm gonna I'm gonna explain why. Cause uh, just just be careful. There's a bit of a ranting coming, right? So if you're if you're an old man like me or an old woman, whatever, and you've been playing games for a long time, you will know that the worst, most disappointing games of all of them were always things like film and franchise tie-ins. Like they're always awful, and they were, you were so excited for this like RoboCop game or Terminator game or whatever it was. But whenever they came out, they were just absolute crap. And I know that I don't know if you guys who are listening are familiar with Angry Video Game Nerd, but it's a guy called James Rolfe, and he's a filmmaker, and he makes these kind of he makes these kind of uh, amusing videos about video games and he just kind of like loses his he just loses his shit basically and gets really angry and but it's funny and it is it's a it's a it's a classic youtube channel as well he's like he's one of the the original youtube stars i guess and he's so well beloved you know beloved of the youtube community because he was going since about nine, uh, 2006 2005 so he's like early doors but he did this amazing like series of rants about um 
about tie-ins because again they're always crap and on the nintendo they were always crap and they were they were always made by this one company called ljn and so he kind of and they had like this rainbow logo and he just called it the rainbow of shit because every time one of these games came out it was just like the most the most awful rubbish so yeah i kind of get i kind of get ptsd from this whole topic and i'm glad that we didn't just stick it you know we didn't just stick to film tie-ins because you know film franchises because man i mean Let's, I'm just going to give you an example, right? So there's a there's a Starship Troopers game that's just being released by um, Matri- uh, Slytherin, and it looks cool, right? It's an RTS game. It looks it looks like a standard RTS game, but Starship Troopers was it, it's they've kind of built that around the Paul Verhoeven film, which is kind of good, right? It's a guy who did RoboCop, and it was an interesting film, but he missed the point completely about Starship Troopers. He kind of turned it into this sort of kind of sly. Uh, you know, kind of critique of of American foreign policy being some fascist thing, and that's not what the original book was about at all. The original book was actually a really interesting meditation on on social, uh, on you know, on a potential political system that might fix certain social problems, and it had some you know, kind of space opera sort of sci-fi stuff in the background but it was but it was a really really clever book so they're making a game of a misunderstanding of a book that's actually really intellectual, and to me, it's kind of like. It'd be like making a Game of Thrones game where you're just, you know, where it's like a Tekken style combat game, like Street Fighter. Like it's kind of missed the entire point of the show. So, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not massively keen on this topic to be honest with you. I don't really, I don't think games ever really get these uh, these franchises right. I mean, Battlestar Galactica. Now that was a, Deadlock's a really good game, I got to say. But again, like the the space combat in Battlestar Galactica is probably the most boring part of the entire series. The, the series is deep as hell, man. It's one of the best. That's one of the best sci-fi series that's been released ever. It's it's in my top five TV shows ever. It's incredibly good, and it it broaches on a, bo- a range of topics. You know, from it's not just like space opera. It's like you know, gritty human drama, political drama. There's stuff to do with there's there's like occult stuff. There's loads of like new age and kind of mainstream religious concepts in there. It, it's incredibly de- deep, and you know, they make a space tactical combat game out of it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So that's just what I wanted to say, anyway. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean. Like your main goal behind this topic was that we would consider games that could cross pollinate into other genres. Like you, you brought up gears and then somehow it actually worked out really well with gears, gears tactics, right? That was like your idea, right? Essentially. Yeah. The, when they were talking to the developers from the coalition, they basically said, Oh, we took regular gears and then we just moved the camera up and that was, and then basically it just translated really, really well. So the idea was, yeah, to just think of things, like you said, that would cross pollinate into different genres. Yeah. So in that case, my personal choice and the thing that I thought immediately is because I've always wanted a post-apocalyptic 4X. I would love to see a Fallout 4X game where it had like that 1950s humor, that 1950s like aesthetic and theme, but you you were basically rebuilding civilization after everything, after everybody was coming out of the vaults. And the you know, there would there would be a lot of room for diplomacy, of course, because you know the once the people came out from the vaults, you know, there would be limited resources and you know you would You'd probably have factions much like Fallout where, you know, you have raiders, you'd have people that were just mean, and then you might have people that were more into cultivating and farming and trying to, like, rebuild the planet and stuff like that. And I just think a Fallout 4X game would be amazing. I think it would work really well because, I mean, you have the theme, you have a perfect reason for people to be rebuilding, and I think that you also have a perfect setting for varied and asymmetric factions because you know like i said you could you could choose to be 
someone who's more agrarian and then, you know, more focused on cultivating the land. And meanwhile, you've got people like Battle Mode who are, you know, running around as land pirates, like stealing everybody's stuff. And you could do some really cool things with that. You know, like I think Fallout is ripe for cross-pollination into other genres. Yeah, in the way of post-apocalyptic forexes, they do have that one, what is it, from Paradox? Uh, surviving the Aftermath. So there, there is something there that to show that the post-apocalyptic setting can work, I guess. But the, yeah, the, the, that would be a really cool setting to transfer across to a forex game. Yeah, and I, I would definitely want to, I'd want to stay away from real time. I think it would work really well with the turn-based, you know, and I, I just, for me, I mean, even just having that same aesthetic, like, the, I think the Fallout aesthetic and theme is great. Like, the fact that, you know, everything kind of got stuck in the 50s because that was right before the bombs hit. You know, I think you could do that with the UI. You can make it look real nice. And yeah, like I said, you could have everything that you liked about the Fallout RPG games, but in a 4X setting. And I think that would work and I would play the crap out of that. So Bethesda, you, you come at me. Come, you know, come do this, please. You know, despite everything that I just said, I think that's actually quite a nice idea. I think, like you said, the Fallout world would really support that that kind of gameplay and you know, there's there's so much world to explore with that. You know, and it's it's a big world. And one of the great things about the RPGs is as well that they it gives this indication that there's so much more out there. You know, that you're not immediately privy to. So, yeah, that sounds like a cool one. Um, I had one which I've really liked to see. Um, that's actually the Dune universe, but based on after the death of the God Emperor, where the whole sort of galaxy is in upheaval, and you have the different a lot of different factions, a lot of lore. I think it'd be a really good base for a really good game. June's one of my favorite things ever. So I, I again, I completely support that. That would be a really good space for X game, maybe in this sort of style of maybe like Alliance of the, sorry, Emperor of the Fading Suns, that kind of thing. If you were, if they, they could come up with a way of, of making that game a bit more manageable, you know, with different planets and having a Civ style kind of 4X thing on each planet. Maybe if you even just had five planets or four planets, you know, just just a certain number of planets just to make the game a little bit more manageable. That could be cool, man. Yeah, I think just because the factions are just so different and, you know, even with stuff like the fish speakers and stuff, they all have different agendas. So I think it would actually be a nice asymmetrical type of a 4X game. Yeah, so this is an idea that both Sean and I had, and it's about The Walking Dead. So I've been watching this. I've been watching The Walking Dead with my missus a little bit, and I've not watched the whole series, but just kind of some of the more interesting stuff. And that's a really interesting, really quite dark, deep world that they've created there. And well, I don't know if it's deep, but it's certainly interesting. And, you know, that's another game, I guess, a little bit like Rob's idea for Fallout. I think it'd probably be the same kind of thing. You know, maybe you you and your band of survivors, it might work like something like, Thea, you know, so you've got to kind of gather gather supplies, you know, and you're going to be a wandering group long before you're able to kind of find somewhere to settle down. And then it might, yeah, it might work like a kind of Thea sort of game. But I think that's quite an interesting, that's quite an interesting world uh, universe to experience because really, the you know, the, your main enemy are going to be like sort of Civ barbarian tribes. Aside from Thea, we ha- and I think at the gates, we haven't really seen that very much in 4X games. Yeah, the idea I was going for with the Walking Dead games was more of a tactics game where you'd be exploring locations from the game and you could maybe get ambushed by zombies or you'd be getting into flights, fights with other human factions, that kind of thing. There is an indie game in development, Urban Strife. Yeah, so that sort of seems to be going along that kind of vein. They have zombies and it's taking a lot of inspiration from the classics like Jagged Alliance and that sort of thing. So that's, uh, that's along the same sort of line, but something like that set in the Westworld universe, like a big budget kind of game would be really cool, I think. How would the uh, zombies work in a Freud's game? Would they just be like barbarians in Sith or something? 
I'm not really sure. I guess you could have them, you know, like as a sort of ever-present threat that you need to fight. But I think, I, mean, I think, much like in the series, the bog-standard zombie is eventually not going to be some, something that's particularly threatening or, in, you know, even particularly interesting to fight. So I don't know if it would work like maybe like an XCOM or you know, an XCOM two um, where you've got the the zombies that they're just sort of like something that you can use to rack up more kills in order to get more skill. I don't know. It's something like this, just some, you know, there's some way that you could have them in there as some sort of threat that isn't necessarily the main focus of the game. Well, I think you could actually use the same mechanic that AI war two uses and the threat level. Wait a second. Did I just say AI war two again? The fifth person who writes me at explominate at gmail.com with the subject AI war two rocks will get a copy of the game for free. So, get to it anyways now back to my point where the bigger you get the more you know sounds you're making and the more clearly present you are the more you're, you're likely to draw like a, a large zombie group because that was the way it worked in all those games like you know you'd, you'd have you know small groups but you know in in game what was that one with brad pitt the movie i know it was a, a comic book World and, War Z. yeah world War Z. thank you like those zombies were fast as hell, right? And they would do whatever they could. So like you could do it something where like the more you did, the more you encroached and the more you built up your empire, the more likely you were going to be to get attacked by a large group of zombies. So you'd have to balance like developing your own civilization with the the need to also keep them from noticing you. Yeah, I think zombie games have been a bit done to death recently. And I think I know a lot of people are really sick of it, but... It just depends on how well it's done. I mean, They Are Billions has done pretty well. I'm not sure if it's a particularly good game. I've heard very mixed things about it, but it seems to be very popular. So there's always people who are going to be interested in zombie survival stuff. I played a fair bit of They Are Billions before it came out early access in the survival mode. It was pretty good, something different. I was absolutely was garbage at it. There ended up being a few meta builds that popped up for doing it, and that kind of bugged me. Like I sort of just wanted to be able to play it my way, but they have a campaign now, and yeah, it was it was pretty cool. So it works. Yeah, I really think you could use, like I said, AI Wars, AI War Two's threat system, and just like the the more you you know made yourself known. The more you seem like a threat to the zombies, they would be more likely to attack you. So, anyways, another one that I had is the Saga of the Seven Sons, which I don't know if you guys know. It's a series of books. It's like the ultimate space drama series by Kevin J. Anderson. And what I think about this series of books that would work really well for, I mean, it's clearly a space forex, but they had really cool factions in this game or in this book series. Sorry. I mean, they had numerous human factions. But then you had basically like elemental race factions. You had, you know, a gas faction, a gas race, a fire race, a wood race, you know, an insect race. And, you know, the whole thing about all of it, I think it, it, it really worked really well because it would work really well in a 4X game because unfortunately at some level, these guys don't know how to communicate with each other. And, you know, some of them were a little bit more apt and capable of communicating with each other because like in this series... Uh, the humans were able to talk to, I forgot what they're called, but the the tree race, and they became almost symbiotic with the tree race. But the other factions, the other elemental races, weren't so good at in, interacting because they just they didn't speak the same language. And so they and they also had very different agendas, right? So like in this case, the hydrogs, which were the the gas faction, the gas race, they they didn't understand why humans were using this thing called the clickest torch, which was their way of 
igniting these gas giants into stars so that they could inhabit these new solar systems that they were basically creating. But the humans had no idea that there were actual beings inside these gas giants. And so like, what I think is really cool about this whole setup is that basically you'd have asymmetric races, you know, you'd have races that were very, very good at certain things, you know, their way of doing things. But there was also this underlying difficulty in communicating that I think a lot of Forex don't really address, like, especially with alien races, right? I mean, like, even in, say, Massive Orion 1, I mean, who's to say that, let's say, like, the humans meet the Borathi, well, the Borathi, their only way of communicating is to grunt, you know? And I think that kind of underlying issue with communication has never really been explored. I mean, you, you quickly pick up, like, a translator and it, like, fixes everything. Well, you know, what happens if you had a Forex game where even if you thought you were, and you know, like you were trying to make a trade treaty, that was actually interpreted differently and stuff like that. So in, in this very awesome book series, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of miscommunication because they didn't understand each other. And, you know, there was also, you know, these groups that were just ancient enemies, no matter what, right? Like the the pharaohs, which were the fire-based race, they they were always at war with the, the wentles, which were the, the water. Because, of course, fire and water don't mix. And, you know, I, I think that kind of stuff would be really cool. So it's interesting that we're talking about Kevin J. Anderson because, you know, in, in the context of this topic, because he's pretty much a guy who made his name doing franchise books like Star Wars and Dune and all that kind of stuff. But he's a pretty good writer. But um, yeah, just uh, just to pick up on one point, that whole thing with the alien communication, uh, Shadow Empire's just done that. It's well, something similar. So you have these alien races and you have to learn how to communicate with them first. And you have like these in, uh, interactions with them where they'll be like kidnapping people, but just giving them cakes and stuff. So you've got to try to figure out how to deal with them. Like, you know, you can try to deal with them in, with your security forces and, you know, boot them out or you can try to talk to them. And so they're, 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 it's not quite as deep, as deep as you've been talking about, but that's cool because you have to work up, you have to learn how to speak to them first and you've got like a language rating with them and you have to build up your language rating. So yeah, I mean, um, sorry, I'm just picking up on just one little bit of all that stuff that you said, but yeah, that Shadow Empire kind of got there first there. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And I, I mean, that's perfect. I'd really like to see more of that, right? Like uh, a language rating you know, as, as you, you do interact with the race more often, you are going to be capable of understanding them a bit more. Another example that I have, and then I'm done talking because my throat's killing me, is a Speaker for the Dead, which is Orson Scott Card's follow-up to the Ender's Game. I he There was like this sentient race like of small animal, like small mammals that were basically killing the people that ended up getting closest to them. And Ender comes in there and he's like, he's like, trying to figure out, he's trying to help these people figure out why it is they're killing the people that end up getting really close to them. And it turns out that in their culture, when you've reached a certain level of like reverence, you get to become a tree. So they like plant a tree and they kill you at the base of this tree. And then you're actually like still sentient inside the tree. And, you know, if it weren't for the fact that Ender like went and like, you know, involved himself in there and got, you know, and, and, and you know, upped his language level with them, they would have never known why. And they were going to they were going to exterminate them. And Ender didn't want to exterminate them because he just exterminated, you know, the bugs in the previous book. So it, it's, it's stuff like that. Like, you know, like if you get really alien and, and it should, like I really want to see more of that. Like just truly alien shit from Forex games. And you can get a lot of really good examples from that from a you know a variety of mediums like books and movies and and even other video games. 
So the last one that I came up with was a 4X game set in the universe of Mortal Engines. I haven't seen the movie of it. I've read the book. So it's set. It's a post-apocalyptic world. They got ravaged by this massive war, this super violent conflict that was so crazy, so nasty that it caused geological changes on the planet. So you get earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, and all that sort of thing as a result. And then they started building cities with wheels and engines and stuff so that they could get away from these eruptions if, if they happened. And all these different cities around the globe, they're all at war with they well, they're not all at war with each other, but they they end up in a state of Darwinism where they're all trying to where they're constantly competing with each other for survival. And it's sort of it becomes a sort of a steampunky kind of setting. And they're going around and if there's a war the cities can actually consume each other to give themselves more power sort of thing. So I thought that would be a really, really cool setting. And then you've got you've got some diplomacy between the factions there. You've got cities that can eat each other, which would just be ridiculous. And then you've got they had another faction they called the anti-tractionists. So they they don't use the moving cities. So there'd be some kind of ma- like a major conflict there between them as well. Uh, yeah, I thought that would make a really cool setting for a game. Maybe not following the actual story because it's got all individual characters and all of that, but at least set in the universe. Okay, so I've got one. And this is, I actually came up with the idea that maybe something like, you know, the sort of vanilla sort of Dungeons and Dragons stuff. So like Dragonlance or Forgotten Realms or one of those that might actually make an interesting strategy game. And I came up with this idea after playing Pathfinder Kingmaker and... For those who don't know, Pathfinder Kingmaker is an RPG, so it's like Baldur's Gate style RPG, and it's really, it's really a kind of like development of that sort of game, and it's a really good one as well. It's a super complex, super amazing uh, tactical combat system. It's got all the stuff that you'd expect from an RPG, you know, a Dungeons and Dragons RPG, but it's also got like a uh, city management and strategy side to it as well. And I think that that actually, if they flesh that system out more, they could make, you could really turn that into a into an interesting sort of 4x game because it's not quite a 4x i'd say it's more it's more of a strategy game like a standard strategy game and it's it's not that well fleshed out in in kingmaker but it's fleshed out enough that it can you know it's actually important you can automate it if you want but if you don't want to play it but actually it's it's quite interesting you build all these buildings and you have to go on quests in order to kind of fun stuff it's like a really more fleshed out version of fallen enchantress or something so that might be interesting and i i, I like I quite like the Dungeons and Dragons universe. I think that's partly because I used to play that when I was growing up. So I'd like to see something done with that. I think it might, you might have to go with maybe one of the more, more interesting settings, perhaps something weird like Dark Sun or Ravenloft. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that's, that was, that was my last idea on that. Yeah. We definitely need more fantasy 4X games for sure. There's not enough of them in my opinion. The last one I had was, um, now I'll preface this that I've only just started reading the second book, but, a forex based on the Bob Bobverse books, which are so far has been really interesting. Basically, there's uh, different factions on Earth that are just about to go to war and actually cause a nuclear holocaust, and they send out these uh, von Neumann probes, which basically are like sentient ships that can actually replicate themselves to search more of the galaxy. Basically, they're out there looking for habitable worlds for the survivors of the uh, nuclear holocaust that's happened back on Earth. But of course, because each of the factions have sent out probes, they uh, the probes actually start fighting with each other as well. And they actually find like uh, primitive races, which could be like minor factions in the game that you could work with. And there's also, there's a hint at a, a race 
that's out there that basically just goes through solar systems and just devours everything. So you have this sort of end game threat, but you're also having to try and work to build up an empire to bring the survivors from your faction from Earth into the stars. So I think that would actually turn out pretty good um, for Xscape. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool, actually. Yeah, the truth is, is there's just a lot of good material to pull from and you know a variety of different mediums that they really haven't tried yet and i've i've, I've said this for as long as i think we've done explominate that i just wish that forex developers would try to get out of that rut of you know a you know your master of magic or your master of orion you know or even now your attempts at civilization so i i really think that the more that they start to look at some of that stuff and the more that they you know, branch out and change up the setting that they can get really creative and change some of the gameplay mechanics that have become kind of stale now. So here's hoping. I want to give a shout out to Arkin Games for really making an effort to do that because I think out of all the developers out there, Arkin have, you know, Chris Park and Arkin have really made an effort to to try to make interesting, unique games with unique kind of mechanics and interesting backstories and they he just tries to do things differently and not all of it works but the stuff that does work is great i mean we've just spoken about ai war too about how great that is but some of his other games are interesting too last federation deserves a, a look and that's a way that's kind of like a, a sort of space strategy 4x game that it's just totally different to everything else it's very much based around diplomacy you know, with this kind of weird shoot 'em upside to it as well. It's just a really odd game. And, you know, I, I want to see more innovation like that. That's like, and if we can kind of get that kind of innovation into some of these weirder titles like we've been talking about, you know, maybe the 4X genre might actually go in a new direction. Yeah, it would be really nice to actually hear from listeners with any ideas on, you know, new mechanics and different ways of making 4X interesting and maybe we can have a follow-up show discussing ideas the community have come up with and sort of maybe piece together the Explorinate 4X game that we may make one day. <laughs> right, give us all your ideas so we can make a game that will so well. And we can and become really rich. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, yeah, this is a really good episode. I Again, I want to take a moment to apologize for my side of things. Uh, hopefully by the next time we do this, I'm feeling much better. That's the hope. And if I'm not, then please put me out of my misery. <laughs> and <laughs> so anyways, thanks for being here, Ben. Really appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me again, Rob. Cheers. And Drex, great as always, buddy. Pleasure. Always a pleasure, mate. Glad you do. You're, you're okay and the operation went fine. Yeah. You know, it's kind of weird. Like you spend so much time in pain and then you like, in your mind, you think the surgery is going to be like an immediate fix. And then you forget that there's pain involved with surgery <laughs> so i was like you know i came out the next day and i was like man i'm still hurting this sucks like why did i do this but i know that this will make it so i can get better soon so thank you rob's Sean. not just doing well man you can't keep him away from the podcast like who else do you know who would have th th surgery around their throat and then literally the next day would do a podcast it's just mental you yeah. guys haven't seen the pictures. He's got a gnarly scar across the front of his throat with a bunch of stitches in it. It's uh, yeah, he looks like I'm he surprised looks like the, here. He looks like the Kurgan from the original Highlander film. <laughs> I feel like one. But yeah, no, I I, I wanted to do this because it's important to me that we do a couple shows a month. So I feel like people rely on us to do that, and and I think it was a good show, regardless of the fact that I sound like I'm dying. Sean, thanks for being here, buddy. Thank you for joining us from tomorrow. 
<laughs> I think me, man. Like I was, like the others were saying, I have no idea how you managed to show up with this. You're an absolute animal. But <laughs> yeah, no, glad you could make it and that everything's all hopefully going to get better. That's the hope. Like I said, hopefully by the time we do this again, you'll hear me f- sounding fine and I'll be back to doing Let's Plays and all that stuff. So, But until then, this was Rob, Ben, Drexy, and Sean for Explorinates. Until next time, keep exploring. <laughs>